Welcome to another edition of One in a Million. I am your host, Roland Million. Um, today we have a few things to discuss, and I'm just going to get right into it. Um, point guards. The, the feeling in the air is that there's two point guards when you're talking about the greatest point guards, and that is Magic Johnson and Steph Curry. Now, I disagree with this, but what is a point guard? So, to me, and I'm sure the the majority of people out there know that a point guard is someone who has the ball in his hands the majority of the times, setting up the plays, bringing bringing up the ball, directing everything, getting the ball to the players in perfect positions, and... You can score, yes, Um, although lots of people do that on occasion as a point guard when it comes to bringing up the ball, directing traffic, telling people where to go, um, you know, facilitating from up top. And although lots of people do that on occasion, a point guard is one who's bringing up the ball and setting up the offense pretty much 90% of the time, in all honesty, if we want to be honest. And I know Gilbert Arenas wants to put LBJ in that category um, because he is a remarkable playmaker. But putting him in that category of the point, it's just he didn't play point guard for the majority of his career, right? If you're talking about best point guards, size shouldn't matter. Who they play on defense shouldn't matter, right? Magic Johnson was a point guard for the majority of his career. Now, I know he talked about Norm Nixon was a point guard for the first three or four years of Magic's career. Yes, he was a point guard for the first three or four years where Magic sporadically played point a little bit. Kind of like LeBron, where LeBron sporadically played point a little bit. But at the same time, Then it became a full-time job. Magic became a point guard full-time. And if you go and you start watching those games from 1983 until his first retirement, it was clear who the point guard was on that team. It was rare. It was a rare occasion where you saw someone else bringing up the ball, setting up things, directing traffic, telling people where to go, making the plays, unless Magic wasn't in the game. And when Magic wasn't in the game, then it was their backup point guard who ended up being Michael Cooper at times. Michael Cooper ended up playing the point guard position, right? Now, Michael Cooper wasn't really a point guard, but he ended up playing the point guard position in direct and traffic, okay? Now, if you go and compare... These things, these games from 83 where Magic was primarily the point guard and you watch them with the Cavs games, right? You will see that 
LeBron wasn't doing the primarily LeBron wasn't carrying the ball primarily up the court and setting up the offense. For the Cavs games, a lot of the Cavs games earlier on actually LeBron like his first year he was doing that. But after it was Larry Hughes that was doing it. It was Eric Snow that was doing it. Um it was Delonte West that was doing it, right? And then when he went to Miami, Mario Chalmers started doing it. LeBron was playing more of a four position when he went to uh, Miami. You know, even uh, Dwayne Wade was bringing up the ball, okay? Now, if we are going to consider him a point guard and put him in a point guard argument because he makes the right plays at times and directs the offense and is a great player uh, playmaker sometimes, why not put Larry Bird as a point guard? Why not put Scottie Pippen as a point guard? I mean, like I said, we're not talking about defensively because people are like, oh, yeah, he's a point forward because he played um, people differently um, on the opposition. He didn't always play the point guards. Defensively, is a different. it's a whole different animal because cross matchups happen, and you want to go with what you feel like someone will have the best chance guarding. Okay, Magic guarded a lot of point guards. He didn't always guard the point guards. Same thing with Kobe. Kobe guarded a lot of shooting guards, but he didn't always guard the shooting guard. But Kobe is considered a shooting guard because the majority of the time he was playing shooting guard. Doesn't matter who he was defending. He was playing shooting guard offensively. And he was doing the shooting. Okay? Too many times, like... We, not me, more some of the people out there, we watch highlights of a player to say who is a better player. Now, believe me, I love my highlights, but highlights are just showing the best things that happen in games. Show me the best, show me the worst, show me the mediocre. I make highlight videos myself of players of the past, and that's mainly to give people an understanding that these moves and great plays existed before we were born. Just because you didn't see it live doesn't mean it didn't exist. I put up a highlight video of Stacy Ogman Euro-stepping in 1993. That would never have happened if I didn't watch the game. Right? If I didn't watch the game, I would have never seen it because there's there wasn't that ESPN. There wasn't that much hype for ESPN and videoing as there is today. Right? Now, highlights are supposed to give you an idea of what someone can do, but it's not supposed to give you the whole story of what they can do. If you want the whole story on who is a better point guard, first you have to understand what you are looking for and what a point guard is. Secondly, don't look for the climax of the story. Read the whole book or close enough. And from looking at the story to me, it's magic as the best point guard. This man always brought up the ball when he was handling the point guard position. He was always the one directing traffic. Always the one, you know, finding people in the right positions. And then you look at his assist numbers, right? And I know people will say, well, you know, he played with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. His assist numbers are this and, and that because he played with Kareem. 
Look at the years that Kareem started to dwindle. His production started to dwindle. His last year in the NBA, Kareem averaged, I think, 10 points a game. Magic Johnson still averaged 13 assists a game. So what does that tell you? It tells you he was a great facilitator, right? He handled the ball. He made great plays. He was a great playmaker, right? But you can only really get all of that from watching the game. That's the most important part of this, is to watch the game. Anybody can just look up numbers and say, hey, this person did this, this person did that. This person was considered a point guard because they hand, they, they um, had a, something in the basketball reference next to their name that said PG. That's not what that means. There are plenty of people that, that have a PG next to their name, but they weren't primarily the point guard. Gerald Henderson had a PG next to his name, but for the most part, DJ was the one bringing up the ball and setting up the offense. So they both started next to each other. But that doesn't mean that Gerald Henderson was the point guard because there was a PG next to his name. And then next to Dennis Johnson, there was an SG, meaning shooting guard, next to his game name. This is where you have to watch. And this is where it's important to watch. And I would be hard-pressed to see how many people are so utterly shocked if they were to go back and watch a 2007 Cavaliers game and watch Larry Hughes bringing up the ball and directing traffic. Or a 2006 game or with Eric Snow bringing up the ball and directing traffic. Or many games where Mario Chalmers was up there directing traffic. LeBron was not primarily a point guard. He is a point forward. He does it sometimes. He directs traffic sometimes. But if you're going to talk about someone being a point guard, they have to do this the majority of the time. Next on the agenda is the disrespect for John Stockton. And I feel like I've just been reiterating this so much, but it's so annoying to hear how much some people don't appreciate what it's like to have a player like him do whatever it takes to make the team better. People who think simple is bad. I watch players today dribble, 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 pound, 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 and don't realize that some of these first dribble moves that they make and that they did, had already created enough separation for them to either attack or shoot. But instead, players are looking for that ESPN ooh-ah moment where you can have ooh-ah moments without doing all that. Look at the Spurs of the 2014. They had so many ooh-ah moments, but none of them had to do with over-dribbling. If it's necessary to do at the time, okay, you do it. But if it's not, don't do it. And John Stockton, to me, always did what was necessary. Always made the right reads. Didn't over-dribble. And you can't really get an appreciation for him unless you watch games. I repeat, watching games is important. Watching games will tell you that the false narrative of he can't go left will be debunked. 
I had people tell me they didn't see him go left in the finals versus the Bulls. When if you watch the third or fourth possession of game one of the 1998 finals, Stockton is pressured, goes left, and lays it up with his left hand. See, this is what I mean. You have people claiming that they watch games, but if you watch games, you will see that he just didn't pass to Carl Malone either. He passed to Hornacek. In the 80s, he made Bobby Hansen look phenomenal. He passed to Blue Edwards. He passed to everyone. But my question is, since when is it a bad thing to recognize you have an incredible scorer and pass to them? If anything, that makes you a better point guard. As a coach, you say to your point guards and your players, understand your personnel. If I'm a guard and I penetrate and I have an average shooter next to me on one side and a great shooter on the other side, which one do you think I'm going to go to? The great shooter. If I have someone who's hit four in a row, also a great scorer as a guard, right? I'm the guard. I have a great scorer on one side, but then a person who's hit four in a row on the other side. I'm probably going to go with the person who hit four in a row. Why? Why would you? Why? Why? You ask. Because a great score will always be great. But the person who hit four in a row, you want to ride that hot streak until the end. And I think that's what made Stockton great was his awareness and knowing who to get it to and how to get it to them at the right time. The people who have watched Stockton know who he is and how great he is. People who go by looks and highlights and not seeing anything fancy from Stockton, him playing basic basketball, which basic basketball always gets it done, pretty much always gets it done. Like I said, the people who go by the looks and not the decision-making and not the fact that he didn't do anything fancy, right? If you go by fancy, if you go by looks, if you go by all these highlights, those are the people who have the brains of an ostrich. Now, last but not least, one of the things that I wanted to discuss is my biggest pet peeve is this thing where everybody says evolution, this evolution crap. Now, I'll agree with people who say something about evolution in a small sense, okay? That small sense is that shooting threes has gotten better than the 80s and 90s, especially because all the kids do now is practice threes, okay? That three-point line came into existence, and since a certain point in time, 90s, 2000, the three-point line was in college, it was everywhere, right? That didn't happen back then. So the 80s and the, the 80s, the 79-80 season was the first year that the three-point line came into effect. That's where I'll agree with you. Well, hey, you know, the three-point shooting has gotten better, right? But what about when people say shooting has gotten better? Shooting doesn't mean just three-point shooting. What about mid-ranges? Is that not a part of shooting or is it only threes? One of the other things that I hate hearing is handles are crazy now. 
way better than that <clears throat> than that point in time in the 80s and 90s. And while it looks better, you have to understand, I watched multiple games where in-and-out crossovers were called carries. Hezzies were called carries. Euros in the 80s in the open floor were called travels. Those were the rules. And a while ago, Dime Dropper showed me a picture that showed the different rule changes when it came to dribbling, in a sense. And I know people have heard Rick Barry say, hey, you know, call the rules the way that the game is meant to be played. So when you say the game has evolved, it's not the game that we watch that is responsible for this involvement. It's the rules that evolved that makes it easier to dribble, easier to score. And if you don't believe me, then just go ask Adam Silva, who said because of the rules, a guy like Steph wouldn't be able to showcase their, showcase their skills back then. People think jumping higher dribbling fancy and scoring means better right this evolution oh it's so much better now people think that oh my goodness we got people that are jumping out of the gym um people that are jumping so high people that are dribbling so fancy oh look at the amount of scoring the offensive efficiency yeah that means it's better kobe bryant r.i.p happy belated to him said after his retirement that players lacked fundamentals and skills. Now, this is a guy who was as skilled as they come and went back and dissected NBA games from the 60s and 70s. He watched a lot of Elgin Baylor, right? So if a guy who was one of the greatest of all time who played in both the 90s up until 2016, who was around NBA basketball from the 80s till his death, and actually put in the time to watch and tell you they lack skill set, why would I, a person who goes back and watches all those eras, listen to anyone who isn't a student of the game like Kobe talk about the evolution of basketball? Does Jokic have crazy handles? Is he athletic? Is he jumping out of the gym? Is he faster than everybody? Can he jump higher than everybody? Does he have a pretty jump shot? Or is he fundamentally sound and smart and makes the right plays at the right time? I'll answer that for you. It's the latter of the two. That must be evolution. All right, this has been another edition of One in a Million. I thank you for joining me. Uh, a happy belated birthday to Kobe Bryant. The basketball world misses your knowledge, and I mean that. It misses, it really misses your knowledge and your excellence. And it's great to see that they will be having a statue in your name on February 8th, 2024. My, my, my note to everyone is to watch games because if you watch games, then you understand why people do what they do in the games. You can't just go and watch highlights because if you see highlights and you see someone in a zone, right? 
How will you know why they went into a zone? Was it because the help wasn't getting there fast enough? Was it because someone was hitting open threes every single opportunity they had, right? Because they were getting beat in one-on-one play, so the helper had to help, and he kicked it out to the three. Maybe they wanted to keep someone out of the middle. Why do you think people go to a zone? You won't be able to tell that if you look at highlights, but you will be able to tell if you watch a full game. I watch games, and that's why, when it comes to understanding the game of basketball, nobody does it better than me. Nobody does it.